I'm Classy Earhart. Welcome to Speak Life Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the best things we can give ourselves is grace. Extending grace to ourselves lends us time to find purpose and truth in our lives. So come and walk this journey with me, and let's have conversations that bring us together, share our real stories, ordinary moments, and that connect us like never before. Please note that we are not licensed professional therapists or counselors. We hold a Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling. We are not licensed professional therapists or counselors. Thank you. I am so, 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 so excited that I have Susanna Pugh here. She is a graduate intern therapist at John Brown University and one of my great friends, and I absolutely love her perspective, her approach to therapy and counseling, and really pouring into her clients like no other. And so I'm so excited that she is here today. Thank you. That was so sweet. <laughs> I try, girl. I, I try. You talk that nice about me all the time. <laughs> just follow me around. I'll just be like that voice. I'll be Morgan Freeman for My you. My hype woman. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I could do that. Yeah. Just walk around and I'll just be like, oh, yeah, Susanna, she yeah. got this. <laughs> We keep talking about so much stuff as it relates to therapy and counseling and showing up for clients and really this idea of what it looks like to be professional in this industry or the idea of what is therapy and what does therapy look like because um, honestly, the media does not do the best job at depicting what therapy looks like or feels like. Girl, yeah, I'm over it. It's real bad. Um, I feel like a lot of shows are doing a better job in having, you know, even mental health professionals on staff as like consultants and stuff. I mean, we saw it with Big Little Lies was oh, a yeah. fantastic representation. I felt like mm-hmm. um, Grey's Anatomy is getting a little bit better, especially when you watch past sessions of yes type stuff. So it's yes. getting better. Um, even things like Law and Order, it's getting better, but there is still this notion of very stuffy, yeah. judgmentally kind of thing going on. Um, yeah, that's really harmful for a lot of people. I because re- I really like to say that going into a counseling room is the most it, it should be at least the mm-hmm. most non-judgmental yeah. space mm-hmm. where you can literally come and pour out all of your burdens, mm-hmm. and we're going to be there to help you without judgment. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't feel that way when they come in. And they're, I mean, kind of scared yeah. um, and really guarded. And there's no one wants to feel judged. Right. Yeah. And that really, at the end of the day, so like we have like the huge stigma mm. against mental health, right? Against diagnoses, mm-hmm. against all of that. And so if you already create this space where you've got the stuffy therapist mm-hmm that is being judgmental, that is saying judgmental things to you, how much more so apprehensive are people going to be to come if like, if that's how the media is depicting Mm -hmm. what therapy is supposed to look and feel like, or what this idea of professionalism Mm -hmm. is supposed to, to look and feel like. Yeah. I mean, and 
I think a huge part of that, every therapist is so different. That's true. Um, yeah. I mean, I recently read an article like on the Every Girl. I don't know if you follow them or whatever, but they put mm-hmm. out an article about, okay, here are 25 different therapists in New York and here's their offices and here's what they look like. Mm-hmm. And each was so, so, so different. Yeah. Some of them a little bit stuffier, some of them very hippie-ish, and yeah. some of them it just looks like somebody's living room. Yeah. Um, and so every therapist is different and every approach is different. And so I think there's a fit out there for everyone. Mm-hmm. I think we just have to get on through the door first. Do you think that there is a particular way that you need to show up in the counseling mm-hmm. room? Because as most people don't really know, maybe is... You know, we do have the ethical code that you yeah. have to abide by, the ACA code. So at the end of the day, even if all th- if therapists are showing up just a little bit differently or their vibes are different, mm-hmm. there is a code and a standard mm-hmm. that we all have to follow and yeah. abide by. So outside of that, what are your thoughts on like on what's appropriate, what what's not appropriate, or that conversation mm-hmm. around what it should look like? I mean going back to like the stuffiness of it, if we Mm -hmm. are going to represent that traditional view of professionalism, it could easily come across pretty stuffy. Um, like me, I tend to sit crisscross applesauce (laughs) in the chair from the get go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that's not necessarily considered professional, but if I can visibly see that my client's kind of uncomfortable or kind of nervous or whatever, and I'm sitting crisscross applesauce and I visibly see them kind of relax. Yeah. That lets me know, like, okay, I'm working towards making you a bit more comfortable in this space, which is all I'm trying to do, really. Right, because it's such an uncomfortable setting because, yeah. right, at the end of the day, you don't know me. Mm-hmm. You're just trusting that I have adequate training to help you with mm-hmm. whatever life struggle or journey or trauma that you have. Mm-hmm. And so what you mentioned with I'm sitting crisscross applesauce was – Really what I heard is I'm intentionally creating a comfortable environment Mm -hmm. where I'm using my body language Mm -hmm. to invite my client to feel comfortable with me. Yeah. And too, if I'm not comfortable, I'm not going to be a very good therapist if Mm -hmm. I'm sitting up straight and trying to, you know, be your traditional professional type person. I'm not going to be comfortable and I'm not going to do a good job if I'm not comfortable. Well, because, you know, the science of posture, it shows us that it's like when you sit a certain way, it taps into other areas of the brain that we're, we're more like power poses mm-hmm. and all of that type of stuff. And so it taps into other areas of our brain where we're not as emotionally attuned yeah. and we're not as comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, because when we talk about like mirror neurons, mm-hmm. If we're creating space for our clients to feel comfortable with us, they're going to mirror that usually. I think that is, I think that's the beauty in it is the intentionality, right? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. it's one thing if it's your first session, it's your intake and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're just like pulling off your socks and your shoes and pull the blanket out, pull the blanket out and you're like, okay, so tell me all of your, you know, all of the things, but I think that that's something so powerful to the intentionality of my body language. Mm -hmm. I remember I had a professor who was like, they intentionally clicked their pin at some point Mm -hmm. during the session because they, their client's focus had like ADHD, but also Mm -hmm. something to do with they, when they hear certain noises, it, it brings them back. Mm -hmm. And so that's what they did as an intentional move, because first of all, Clicking your pin is annoying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I don't want you to do it. I don't want any parts of that. 
But this therapist knew intentionally mm-hmm. that attunement with their client mm-hmm. that I'm going to click my pen and this is not going to hurt my client. Mm-hmm. This is not going to make my client angry, but this is actually going to bring their awareness and focus to my pen mm-hmm. because it's something that the client actually does when they're nervous. Mm-hmm. And so the therapist did it. And that attunement and intentionality and being present and aware of mm-hmm. what your client needs. I mean, and that creativity behind it as well. Yeah. I mean, that's, I probably never would have thought to like, oh, let me click my pen. That's exactly what my client needs. But when you know your client. It changes to, things. Yeah. It changes. And that's really, right? Like that's really the beauty of it mm-hmm. is building that rapport through intentionality, through intentionally exploring mm-hmm. and uncovering the things that you need to explore and uncover so that you can mm-hmm. draw closer to your client and develop a relationship. A therapeutic relationship is very personal. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. people don't understand that also in therapy, the therapist does develop an attachment. Mm-hmm. It's not just like a stuffy professional. Yeah. Over here in my world, boundaried, and I'm not ever like inviting you into having this mutual mm. relationship with me. Mm. It's very mutual, and I think sometimes it's portrayed like it's a little one sided, mm. um, like it's just the client who's coming in and just pouring all the yeah. things, and then the therapist is just like, I'm all knowing. Yeah. Very I'm- Freudian back turn kind <laughs> of thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's like while Freud had some wonderful realizations and things that he um, researched and learned, which have been proven true, mm-hmm. right? That approach to how you <laughs> to how you actually show up in the therapy mm-hmm. room is um yeah he was different yeah yeah he was different. Um, I like that. It was different. It was, it was interesting. Yeah, that's the that's the term I tell you. Interesting <laughs> and different are, yeah. It's different, yeah. Yeah. Um, and like you talked about, that rapport is so huge because, again, if I don't – I mean, I don't know you. Right. I need to feel like I, need, I can trust you. And so, I mean, I'm the world's – I shouldn't say the world's worst, but I love, you know, every chance I get being like, ooh. Let me pull out the sand tray. Yes. That's what we need. Oh, my um, gosh. But sand I think, tray is amazing. I know. Um, I think especially in those early sessions where we are trying to build that rapport and feel safe enough that we kind of discount good old-fashioned Rogerian empathetic active listening. And it's oh, so, so yes. powerful because I think we forget as therapists that not everyone gets that kind of listening and interaction in everyday life. Mm-hmm. I mean, even as therapists may not all the time that's true um but we forget that that's not how the general population communicates that's true Um, yeah and so it can be so 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 powerful when someone gets that for the first time and so we do try to come in here with these you know proven (laughs) you know type techniques and they definitely have their place and they're fantastic but sometimes there's just something super powerful about just knowing for the first time like oh my gosh someone gets it yeah yeah I think so too. I think I think that's 
it's powerful. And I don't even think we really know why, mm. aside from the fact that we are totally wired for connection. Mm. And there's a huge attunement with it. Yes, yeah. yes. Because if I'm actively listening, my conscious mm. awareness is all on you. Mm-hmm. My, I'm not some. I'm not thinking about what I'm cooking for dinner tonight. Mm. I'm not thinking about the other billions of things that I might have to do when I get home, when I leave mm-hmm. here. I'm not looking at the clock, trying to rush. And a lot of times, that's what people get. Yeah. They they're trying to not navigate a genuine Mm. conversation with people, but people in the back of their minds, they're thinking about all of the other things. So they're not really present. present. Yeah. Yeah. That presence. And even those kind of nonverbals, like I'm doing when you talk because it comes naturally. (laughs) You know, a lot of the, oh yeah. (laughs) Well, we end up mirroring each other so much. Anyway, um, like I was just sitting here thinking like you got your water and I was like, oh, I think I need water too. And then I was like, no, you don't. You literally just took a sip of water. But I write that. You started leaning on your elbows. I I did. (laughs) We really did. But but that shows the the level of the relationship and the rapport that you and I have built. And that's what, that's the same thing that we want our, our, that we want clients to feel, Mm -hmm. that clients should feel. And I think when the media or Mm. people aren't having these types of conversations about what therapy Mm -hmm. looks like or should and could feel like, Mm -hmm. uh, we can't start to change the narrative for people yet until we start opening up these conversations about like, look, hey, we're in this field. Mm -hmm. We understand how scary it is Mm -hmm. for you to walk in those doors and try to bear your soul to, first of all, somebody you don't know. Mm-hmm. You've probably shared this a thousand times with other people and they've judged you, yeah. they've ridiculed you, or they've tried to flat out tell you what to do yeah. and you haven't felt heard, you haven't felt understood. Like, and then you come into this space and you want that. Or try to give you suggestions like, oh, I've tried uh, this. Have you tried this? Like, it's like, really? No, I've never thought of that. Ever. Never, never thought of it, you know, and just like diminishing mm-hmm. your capacity and your ability mm-hmm. to think, yeah. period, to think about what can I do? How can I save myself? How can I protect myself? How can mm-hmm. I show up for myself? Like, of course you're thinking those things. Yeah. I didn't ask you. Sometimes it's this. I didn't ask you for your suggestions. Mm-hmm. I just asked you to be here and yeah. be with me and hear me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what what Carl Rogers was talking mm. about with Rogerian therapy. There is something to, I'm not here, I might not say it's anything that's going to give you a therapeutic technique right mm-hmm. now, but you just need to be heard. Yeah. You just need somebody to be with you. Mm-hmm. That's it. And you and I have talked about that before of kind of like when I've said like, okay, I'm having a little freak out. I need your help. Okay, mm. then I need suggestions. <laughs> Otherwise, when I call you and I'm just venting or whatever, and you're just active listening because I didn't ask for help. I didn't yeah. ask for any of this. I just needed someone to be like, oh my gosh, that sucks. It's a, right, like it's a complete difference. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like a shift in mindset because right naturally we're ready to jump in and help save and you. say, How yes. can I help you? Because I don't want you to feel this way anymore. Right. Yeah. But really, 
you know how they say like usually it's something in you that's making you uncomfortable yeah. that and that's the reason that you want to jump in and, and save someone so quickly because even as therapists we do it with our partners oh, yeah. our family and everything oh I yeah myself doing it to my boyfriend i did it to ago. my friend just yesterday yeah. as she was sharing with me her dreams for her future business and i was just like oh well have you thought about this well yep. you need to join these things and then i just sat back and i was like oh yeah you didn't Caught ask myself, me and i'm like why yeah i'm like you didn't ask me for that you just you just wanted me to listen to your story and to your hopes and to your dreams and give you some sort of validation maybe or just be with you and say, girl, I'm so proud of you. Like that is an awesome idea. I can't wait to see you do it. Like yeah. it's not always about trying to solve the problem yeah. for someone because so many people, like you said, they don't have somebody who truly listens mm-hmm. to them and, and hears them. And when we approach it from that, have you tried this? It almost sends a message of like, oh, it's kind of your fault. Like, mm. you kind of put yourself here. And even if I did, because I mean, I may have put myself I might, here. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I might have. <laughs> I may have had something to do with that. I don't need to hear that right now. No. Yeah. That's not what I asked you yeah. for. It's not what I asked you for. And so, and also... Why throw it in my face like that? Yeah. You know, why? I'm already probably feeling that way in general. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm, my insecurity or whatever the case might be might already be building up inside yeah. of me. So it's just like, all you did was basically just slap me in the face. And promote a little bit of shame. Mm. No shame just plagues a multitude of things. Yeah. Because if I haven't thought about this or if I have thought about this or if you're suggesting that, oh, well, because I didn't think about this, mm-hmm. that's why you messed up. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Way to, way to wrap that. <laughs> like, right? Like, wow. Yeah. It's just thinking about it from a different perspective because mm-hmm. once that shame and guilt cycle starts to roll in, I mean, the clouds, the thunders rolling, the lightning mm-hmm. is crashing because mm-hmm. that's it's such a difficult cycle to break out of. Yeah, I mean, especially when you've started to internalize that yeah. with shame and really made it a character. Mm. Yeah, because then it's almost like becoming who you are. Yeah, and so you're walking around just with shame mm-hmm. with anything that Taking you do. All that and then almost, right? So then shame really affects our inherent mm-hmm. worthiness. Yeah. Am I good enough? Yeah. Am I worthy? Yeah. And honestly, what that friend did in that moment, you just diminished my trust for you. Mm. Why would I come to you again? Yeah. Because I'm going to feel worse about myself. And don't get me wrong, I may need to be called out sometimes. But it's how you do exactly. it. Exactly. Am I doing it gently? Am I doing it with love? Am I doing it from a place of compassion? Or am I doing this from a place of correction? Back to intentionality. Yes. And motivation. Yeah. I think motivation goes mm-hmm. a little bit further, right? Like, are you trying to criticize me? I love using the four horsemen of the apocalypse, mm-hmm. not just for couples, but yes. literally in general for relationship, Any relationship. building. Parent, child, yes. anything. Yeah. It's just throughout communication in general. I think so too. And so like, so I end up using it all the time talking with people about like the four horsemen and they're like, what are you talking about? You're talking about all the four horsemen. Blah, blah. I'm like, no, the four horsemen of the apocalypse of your relationships. Relationship, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about creating a new mindset around how we communicate with people, mm-hmm. how we show up for people because when you in when you input that criticism, that contempt, the defensiveness, all that like everything goes out the window. Yeah. We can't reach what I love 
that Brene Brown talks about is the anatomy of trust. We can't reach to that space where trust is really being Mm -hmm. formed, where we're braving in our lives when we are exhibiting the four horsemen of the apocalypse in every relationship Mm -hmm. and in our communication. Mm -hmm. It's very, it's, it's, it's self-deceptive. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, you just said it all. I'm like, and it's, so much of that comes from, you know, speaking of Brene Brown, of that story I'm telling myself mm-hmm. of when this is happening, like, oh, okay, if you're doing A, the story I'm telling myself is this is why you're doing that. And it has everything to do with me. Yeah. And that I'm unworthy and lovable, whatever, mm-hmm. um, something wrong with me. Um, when in reality, that's not true, which kind of like can lead to, you know, the stonewalling or criticism or, hey, you're always on your phone. Well, it's not you're not on your phone because you don't like me or want right. to talk to me. You're just right. on your phone. You're just on your phone because yeah. sometimes Facebook has funny videos and I want to watch them right. or cute videos of animals and I want to see them. Right. Like those recipe videos that I get stuck in sometimes. <laughs> oh, it's a rabbit hole. <laughs> but I think, right, like when we bring all of this around full circle, mm. when we don't portray like this level of understanding to mm. what therapy is, mm. The story that potential clients that probably need the help that they begin to internalize and tell themselves Mm -hmm. about therapy might stop them from coming. Yeah. Because they're watching these shows or they're seeing this or or just maybe, right? So just like with any field, Mm -hmm. there's going to be... Bad apples and good apples in the yeah. bunch. Oh, yeah. And there's, I mean, and sometimes it's not even a matter of good or bad. It's just a matter of, is this person the right fit? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes when you hear the stories from other other friends or family members or people or acquaintances that have gone to counseling and mm-hmm. maybe they didn't get the right fit that time, but as a result, you're like, oh, well, I'm not going all to. Therapy's all therapy's bad. I like this. It's yeah. all bad. But that's not always the case. No, nowhere near. We can't generalize in that way because just like you choose another professional and you choose the one that fits for you. Mm-hmm. So, right, like I'm going to use wedding photography, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, the same way that you choose your wedding photographer based on their style, their mm-hmm. editing, the way they shoot, their personality, yeah. how personal they are, their experience, their price point. Yeah. That is the same idea mm-hmm. of when you seek out your therapist. We All therapists are going to be different because mm-hmm. we're different people. Um, and then everybody has a different level of training. Everybody yeah. has a different yeah. certification, has a different particular technique or approach that they role lean. You. Yeah. That plays a huge role. Yeah. And I mean, even though you and you and I are very similar in a yeah. lot of ways as far as our approach to therapy, but as far mm-hmm. as actual therapists, we tend to be pretty different. We do. We do. Uh, the way we actually show yes. up in the room is a little bit different yes. with like what techniques mm-hmm. and things that we pull out and mm-hmm. how we even ask certain questions. But we've led groups together yes. and it still feels very gelled together mm-hmm. and very cohesive and fluid for our group members. However, even though we're friends, we're still different. Yeah. We approach people the same way. We yeah. approach therapy the same way and mm-hmm. the end goal the same way. And 
Um, just our course is a yes. little bit different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the way we use it is a yeah. different. Yeah. Just a little bit different. I might pull from here today and there, and then you might do this or that, and I might do th- mm-hmm. that or this, you know. Mm-hmm. But, and I and I think when the public, right? Mm, yeah. The community, yeah. society starts to really see therapy in this way, mm-hmm. and even therapists yeah. start to see therapy in this way. We can move out of this judgment, out of this space where we overgeneralize that all therapy is going to be like this, mm-hmm. or that, that I'm not. Why am I going to pay someone? I've heard somebody say, "Why am I going to pay someone to just judge me?" Yeah, and that just broke my heart. Or just tell me how to live my life. Yeah, yeah. and that mm-hmm. for me is not the case. Yeah, I. I prefer that therapy is a space where it's a judgment-free zone mm-hmm. where, again, one of the things that the ethical code tells us is not to impose our personal beliefs. And honestly, just Google ACA Code of Ethics. You'll be able to see like, and know it's, it's a document online yep. that it's free for you to look at so that you can know what the code is that all therapists mm-hmm. have to abide by mm-hmm. while we might show up differently. We have to abide by the same rules mm-hmm. of how we show up and support you and take care of you um, and and don't impose our own beliefs and our confidentiality and privacy yeah. and all of that. Like we have those same rules. And I think the more you know, mm-hmm. the less able you are to be that apprehensive. Yeah. And I do no harm, right? So I yeah. mean, so much of that comes, I think, too, with asking what our clients need. And I think it's okay Mm. to tell your therapist what you need. I mean, I ask clients that just because I like to know, okay, are you wanting someone who's going to be super direct and say, okay, we probably need to try this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. Um, Because naturally that's not who I am. So I know that I'm going to have to be more intentional in that if that's what they're wanting. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I'm pushing a little bit harder today with like some trauma stuff or something and knowing when I need to ease up a little bit. Yeah. And if they've had too much and that window of tolerance that we talk about all the time. All the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that is so true. Like speaking to like, again, back to understanding how we do therapy mm. and also understanding that while we are, we might have, I love saying the statement, right? Cause I, I feel like, and I'm going to go, I'm going to say Dr. Wingfield no. uh, used to say this all the time. Like I might've read more books than you mm-hmm. might have a degree in, in clinical mental health counseling. However, you're always going to be the expert yeah. on you. Yeah. And when we empower our client to not feel so broken, mm-hmm. like they're coming and crawling and needing. Yeah. It's like, you really have the power of purpose and mm-hmm. the tools within you I'm just here facilitating in a way that is going to help bring those out, bring them to light, uncover these limiting beliefs that you have yeah. about yourself, these fears, these things that are leaving you guarded and feeling lost and abandoned and afraid mm-hmm. to really live your life. And so when we do that, when we not only take the courage to set aside what I like to consider being arrogant, mm-hmm. being arrogant to believe that because we have a degree that we're just going to come in and we're all knowing Mm -hmm. we're not. Yeah. We have to have some, some humility. We have to be humble when we approach our clients because 
they know their story better than we ever will. They know what it did to them. They know what it felt like. And I love that you brought that up to just ask them, what do you need from Mm -hmm. me? What do you need from this session? When you thought about therapy, what were you hoping to get? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were you hoping it would feel and look like? If I can't be those things for you, or if I don't have the right approach that you need for whatever it is that you have going on, I'm definitely going to refer you to somebody mm-hmm. I know is going to take adequate mm-hmm. adequate care of you. Yeah. Or I'm going to do my due diligence and show up for mm-hmm. you because I know now what you need from me. Yeah. And I'm not just, oh, I'm the expert. Mm. I'm just going to come in and whatever I say goes. I think it really changes. When you change that perception and that approach, it literally changes the Mm -hmm. way that you show up in people's lives and really the way that you do therapy. Yeah. Oh, I just love that. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that's why, like you you said, talking about referrals, have to set up a good kind of referral network. Yeah. Yeah, because if someone's saying, you know, in your personal life – all of these problems I'm like oh, yeah therapy it's awesome it's not this horrible thing that we think it is yes and then they go to someone that does end up being their experience then I'm like oh my gosh I can't believe that was your experience when I sat here and told you it wasn't um, I right. promise it's not like that everywhere right and so then we do a lot of backtracking mm-hmm. and being like oh my gosh I'm so sorry this is this, this but then I do think that sometimes people don't understand the difference between a psychiatrist, Ooh, yeah. a psychologist, mm-hmm. and a mental health therapist or mental health counselor. Yeah. There is a distinct difference between what each of us do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll hear people like, oh, yeah, I, I see my therapist. Mm-hmm. And they will have gone to a psychiatrist. Got that 15-minute med, <laughs> med refill. They do their quick eval. Yeah. And and then they're looking at, you know, do we need to adjust the dosage, Mm -hmm. this, this, and this. And really, they're just like, we're just going to talk to your therapist and see, like, how you're showing up in therapy. If they talk to us at all. If they talk, yeah. Um, That's true, too. Because, I mean, may have some clients that go and they're saying, oh, yeah, you know, I'm feeling a little more sad today than I usually am. Okay, let's up that dosage a little bit. And Mm -hmm. I've got a zombie in my office three days later because that dose didn't really need to be upped because sad days – Happen. happen. I mean, because when you think about it, right, like sadness is normal. Mm-hmm. However, I mean, I'm no psychiatrist, but that's but, what it felt like to but, me. But, yeah. you know, you know, and I just, I think I love, I love this way that um, this professor of mine described diagnoses mm-hmm. to one of their clients. And what they said was, what a diagnosis is, is do you like first they set it up like do you believe that other people experience some of these same things too mm. if you believe that other people experience some of these same things too then it's normal to have mm. these feelings i love that all that we're saying is you just happen to have them at a higher frequency mm. than other people so we're just trying to help you lessen the frequency yeah. of these behaviors these thoughts Coming up. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. And that was so beautiful because I think even too, right? Like people are afraid to go to therapy Mm -hmm. because they're afraid of getting a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. When in reality, what I think a lot of people don't realize is even at their PCP, if they're getting a prescription, I have to put something in there to get your insurance. To get your insurance. Yeah. So you're getting that diagnosis 
regardless. Anyway. And that medicine's not going to work forever if you don't come do the work. That's in true. Well, in mine too. <laughs> I'm right there with you. There is a level of duality that has mm-hmm. to work there. You coming in, coming into therapy, also taking medication that's going to help you be able to really work in therapy. Mm-hmm. And then maybe one day you might not need it, you right. know? Doesn't but, have to be because as long as, because essentially if you're just taking the medicine, you're just masking mm-hmm. the truth of the problem. Mm-hmm. You're hiding it. You're suppressing it. It might be relinquished, like relieving symptomology and all that type of stuff. But at the end of the day... If you don't really deal with the, that pain, the mm-hmm. hurt, the trauma, it's always going to be there. Mm-hmm. So you're always going to have to keep masking it. And it gets heavy. Yeah. So when when I think about that, it's like all of these different layers of what can limit somebody from wanting to come mm-hmm. into therapy. Mm-hmm. And it's like literally a diagnosis, like you feel like a diagnosis defines you. Mm-hmm. Diagnoses can be changed. And I love what you talked about with that normalizing aspect of it. Because yeah. we do feel like, oh my gosh, like I have to come to therapy. I can't believe I'm someone who has to come to therapy. But first of all, it's incredibly brave that you are amazing. It is so um, brave. And deciding to make that change and better yourself. Uh, yeah. So it's really just that mindset shift again of what is what is therapy like? What is the, you know, can I extend this understanding that just like with any profession, there are going to be people that are going to be for me, that I'm going to mm. click better with, that are going to really do therapy the way that I need therapy yeah. done. Because everybody's um, skill or mm. technique is going to be a little bit different yeah. because my unique value proposition is me even mm. though I might get trained in the same thing mm-hmm. or certified I'm still going to do it in my unique yeah. way and so when we start to approach therapy from that perspective of you know what everybody's going to be a little bit different maybe I should just reach out and ask mm. for a referral mm. or ask someone instead of just saying okay I had this one session Mm -hmm. and I didn't like them or I had this one therapist and I didn't really like them and just saying all therapy is bad, but just saying, okay, just a shifted mindset. Maybe all therapy is not bad, but maybe I need to ask somebody for help Mm -hmm. to help me find a good therapist for what I need. Yeah. And that mindset is going to, whichever mindset you have is going to affect so many areas of your life, whether it be your business or your relationships, um, family, anything like that. It is carries so much weight that we don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. And you have that thing with mindset thing coming up, right? I do. Yes. So, so honestly, like with what I'm doing with mindset is, um, because as y'all know, I'm awaiting licensure. So what I'm doing, <laughs> yes, girl, it is such a process, but just really helping people shift their mindset, being a mindset coach, because mm. I have my master's now in clinical mental health counseling. So I, I can use some of what I know mm-hmm. without, you know, being a therapist mm-hmm. because I can't do that yet. But what I can do is show up for people um, and help them through my personal branding lounge, um, really learn how to set a mindfulness practice mm-hmm. in their life so that they can shift and adjust their mindset and uncover those limiting beliefs or stories or negative mm-hmm. thought cycles that they get in. Those are really the things that allow people to get stuck and distracted and not focus yeah. in both their business and their personal mm. life. And so 
yeah, that's what I'm doing with the personal branding lounge. I actually have doors opening now and then enrollment is going to end because, you know, I want to be able to pour into mm-hmm. everyone as much as possible. So for everybody that joins, you know, I don't want it to be- become too massive too quick. Yeah. And I love saying just the shift in your perspective mm-hmm. can change your entire world. Mm-hmm. It truly makes your world expand. Mm-hmm. Oh, I and love that. we talk we love to say, oh, you know, there's this work-life balance and there 100% should be good work-life balance boundaries. But you know better than anyone that when you own your own business, there's not as much separation as someone who works a regular nine to five. And it's going to affect both areas. Yes. And that's why more I'm, so I think than yes. like a regular nine to five. And I think there's so many myths that people believe about business mm-hmm. and mental health. and And one of the things that happens is we have this idea that there has to be a work-life balance there has to be no what has to happen is your business has to grow because you have to make money however you have to set aside wellness practices and strategies to infuse into your business into yourself yes into your way of life into your way of being Mm -hmm. not just saying oh I'm going to stop working at five and that's my work-life balance and I'm at home, but you're still thinking about all the things that you need to do tomorrow, all of the things that you need to do in the business. Oh my gosh, you don't have, you need to get some new clients. You need to make some sales. You need to market. So it's like, even though you say that when you don't have the mindfulness practices in place Mm -hmm. that really allow you to live a life of intentionality Mm -hmm. and a life of alignment, it still all boils over. Mm -hmm. Um, but people believe that myth that you have to have this work-life balance. You need to shut your phone off. Mm-hmm. You need to do this. But then what are you doing with that time? Mm-hmm. You know, not relaxing because I'm stressing, because I'm stressing about it yeah. or because I'm watching TV and then I'm like, oh, I really should be doing yeah. X, Y, and Z, you know, because you haven't really shifted and adjusted your mindset. Mm-hmm. Like you've got to uncover these habits of your mind so that you can really shift your focus and shift your mindset and, start to live a life more wholeheartedly mm. with more wholeness yeah. and wellness. And so people just really, you know, people have to see it for that and not for these overarching ideas. And I think a lot of times it's really easy, you know, people say a lot of generalizations. Mm. If you if you work in your passion, you'll never work a day in your life. If you, you got to have work-life balance. And it's like, what does that mean? Mm. And Different for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Because – I definitely work in my passion and I definitely work. And I think, <laughs> and I really, I think, and I think there's been a little bit of research about this too, is people who work in their passion, even though there's that myth of, oh, you'll never work a day in your life, tend to actually work harder because they are so passionate about yes. it. Yes. And so what happens? You reach burnout Burn faster. There is a, there's actually some research that talks about if you build a career from your passion, you're way more likely to burn out. Burn out rather than someone who takes something that they like or are interested in and build a passion from that. Yeah. The things, right? Like just sharing all the research and all of this knowledge. And I just think it's just so important for people to understand that seriously, just a simple shift in your mindset and your perspective can literally expand your world and change your views and really help you start to live a more intentional Mm -hmm. and wholehearted life. And the same thing with therapy, like, Come one, come all, you know, because it's so necessary. It's so needed Mm -hmm. for so many people who deny and stuff it down because 
it's hard or because you don't want a diagnosis or whatever the case might be that's limiting you or holding you back from reaching out to a therapist and ask a therapist that you know for a referral. If you're worried about not getting somebody, just ask for a referral. Mm -hmm. It's okay to ask for help. Mm -hmm. Just have to shift your mindset. Yeah. And I love kind of what you were saying, come one, come all, because I recently saw a post that was talking about, you know, why people go to therapy or, oh, I'm kind of ashamed to go to therapy. Don't really want to tell anyone, blah, blah, blah. And then a therapist commented on it. I was like, I'm a therapist. And some people come to me for this, 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 and so many different reasons. And then Mm -hmm. finally, I was like, it doesn't matter why you want to come. Like, we're ready for you. Yes. And I oh, love, I love that, that final line of like, yes. we're ready for you. We're ready. Like, it doesn't have to be this immense trauma that yeah. happened. It could literally be, I'm feeling overwhelmed and stressed out my at job my job. Sucks. Yes. <laughs> and I need somebody to talk to to help mm-hmm. me gain shift some clarity. Yeah, yeah, shift my mindset. Get Gain some clarity and in, in insight into myself. Like, easy mm-hmm. things, yeah. but... Right. Well, not not let me say that. Not easy things Mm -hmm. because it's not necessarily easy for the person that's going through it. But I'm just saying things that are not so grandiose Mm -hmm. as people try to make it seem that that's what that's why you need to go to therapy is Mm -hmm. if you have this grandiose problem. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily that. I think people just have moments and trials throughout their lives Mm -hmm. where they just need some help. Yeah. Where it's gotten a little too hard, a little too overwhelming. And you need somebody that can be a listening ear Mm -hmm. that has the tools and the skill set to show up for you and help you make change Mm -hmm. behavior in your life. Yeah. And I don't know how we got to that point of, you know, suck it up, get over it. But I think this generation is doing a much better job of being more open of, yeah, we go to therapy and it's... it's Um, You guys are welcome. Millennials. We're, you know... (laughs) And the Gen Zers, yeah, they're yes. doing... They're doing more than eating Tide Pods. That's right? true. <laughs> mm, yeah. Mm, but... And we've got social media taking a huge step on it. I mean, you know, yes. those memes to show my therapist and, you yes. know, those different kind of funny things that happen on social media. That is so show true. Show the kind of real side of therapy. Um, Humanizing it. Yes, the normalizing part of it. And, too, like, the... Sometimes I read them, like... Eesh, your therapist said, if this is true, your therapist said that's a little questionable. Yeah, yeah. But sometimes they're they're hilarious, especially when they're posted from other therapists. And it's kind of, again, humanizing yes. therapy. Of, yeah, your therapist is a person. We're a person. <laughs> We're people. Yeah. We're humans. We go through stress. We go through pain. We cry. Yeah. We, <laughs> we do the things we tell our clients not no, to do. Yeah. Like, and then we look at ourselves and we're like, um, well... Why are you yeah. not listening to yeah. your own, you know, that, that's what Preach you should be doing. and then don't do it. And then don't do it, you know. We are imperfect, mm. just like you, just like anybody else out there. Mm. We just have some tools right. in our little toolbox. And guess what? We can give you some of mm. them. We can lend you that hammer or that screw, that mindset, that mindfulness, that reaching down, that that CBT schemata work you might need to do, that Rogerian talk therapy, I'm showing up a, a, attentive mm-hmm. and actively listening to you. Mm-hmm. I might I might just throw I'm going to give you some tools too. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think I just really hope that us having this conversation is is getting some head nods. Yeah. To, to the people that are listening in um, and 
people that are going to be referred to listen in, mm. that we're just really getting some head nods, maybe even raising some eyebrows, oh, yeah. um, maybe even some cheekish grins. I'm okay mm. with that. I'm okay with somebody wanting to ask a question mm. or or share their thought or their belief on it. Please drop them in the comments. Mm-hmm. Susanna and I are ready and we're waiting. Yeah, we're ready for you. <laughs> <laughs> we're ready for you just like – we're ready because because mm. Susanna is still an intern. So Susanna, tell the people where they can find you because you're still in your internship at least for the next yeah two. I'm, oh my! Yeah, I'm no December. December. Yeah, Never so mind. I'm not even taking. New she can't anymore, take new yeah. clients yet. So we're both in that process mm-hmm. of getting our license. I'll just become a life coach. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, you gotta use that degree. Mm-hmm. To some extent, wherever you can until that licensure comes in because it's such a long process. Yeah. But You might uh, catch me working the checkout line at Target for a couple months. <laughs> While we patiently await yes. the license to actually practice therapy. Mm-hmm. So both of us are in the same boat. So in the meantime and in between time, while we're waiting on licensure, we will just be your hosts mm-hmm. of Speak Life Conversations, the what is it called? The lit, like waiting in limbo. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the therapist in waiting. The therapist in waiting. Um, you know, we've got our masters. We'll have our masters. Susanna will have hers in de- in December in clinical mental health counseling. I already have mine, and so we'll just be your therapist in limbo, therapist in waiting, mm-hmm. just having these open and honest conversations about therapy and about life mm-hmm. and about how. When we get out there and we get our license, know that we are ready for you. Mm -hmm. We just want you to come one, come all. So we will catch y'all on the flip side. Thank you for tuning in. And thank you so much, Susanna, for chit-chatting with me. I'm Classy Earhart, and you've been listening to Speak Life Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Classy Earhart on Facebook and Instagram. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcast and subscribe rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Speak Life conversation. Thank you for listening.